Welcome to the 401 Access Denied podcast. My name is Joseph Carson, Chief Security Scientist at Thycotic and co-host of the show. This podcast is all about making cybersecurity easy, usable and fun. Come back every two weeks to listen in and learn about what's the latest news or even submit your own questions via the community. Hey, Mike, welcome to another 401 Access Tonight podcast. Um, we're, you know, this is really a fun discussion. And I'm really enjoying, you know, a lot of uh, the information we're sharing. And this time, um, we're going to be looking at the recently released um, Verizon Data Breach Investigations Report. It's definitely, you know, for me as a researcher and, and mm-hmm. doing a lot of, you know, uh, kind of reading of reports throughout the year. It's definitely one that I really get excited about because it's very thorough, you know, research. It's good details. It provides you a good kind of, let's say, thermometer, kind of good indication or trend of what's really happening in the industry. And in most cases that when you're reading it, you know, I think it's the 13th year now that this report is being released. And, um, you know, it's on everyone's calendar. We're usually waiting between the April and, and you know, May timeframes. Right. You know, everyone's, you know, sitting around, you know, with their cups of coffee ready. <laughs> and when the report comes out, you know, spending and then you get a lot of people like myself writing blogs and, you know, and analyzing it and interpreting it. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I find is that, you know, every time, you know, over the last many years I've been reading this and, and, and reporting on it and sharing my thoughts, is you're always in this, you know, this, you know, face and your pan moment where you're just like, oh, or it's doom and gloom. And it's right, always right. about, you know, you know, it's how bad we're getting. <laughs> right, right. And all the things, everything we've been investing in security and the, you know, technologies and the hard work that goes through. And it's like, you're always saying the doom and gloom that's getting worse. More people right. are clicking on crap. Uh, more people are clicking on malware. Malware is increasing. Incidents are increasing. Breaches mm-hmm. are happening time and time again. And uh, this report, you know, I was so happy this year. I don't know if you got to, to you know, go through it in, in as much detail. Um, but for me, I think this report indicates that, you know, finally we're starting to see results. Yeah. Finally, no. you know. No, I was just going to say, no, I, I rely on people like you to sort of give me the synopsis rather than uh, dig through all <laughs> of the details of the report. I look forward to everybody else's takes on it and I can sort of pull that together and, and take in more of a summarized view than, than pouring through all the but, details. So I appreciate your hard work in going through <laughs> and, and doing that work for me. <laughs> You're definitely the smart one of doing this. Because, you know, <laughs> so you know, going and reading other people's interpretations is probably the easiest thing. Yes. Um, and it's definitely because the, they're smartest and quickest, and you get a lot of you know different views and viewpoints. Uh, for right. me, I like to you know I like to compare it with my research that I do and, and, and compare notes. Right, um, right. And also a lot of a lot of peers of mine also contribute to the report as well, um, which is always in, you know interesting to see you know their their feedback and results mm-hmm. too. But absolutely, you know, you're right. You know, sometimes you know. Read, read my report. Read my blog. <laughs> right. which, uh, um, yeah, I'll give you a plug a, rather. A quick you know, summary. Go, go, yeah, 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 go read Joe's uh, synopsis. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this time, I mean, um, what I really kind of for me, it was actually, you know, I was actually sitting up. I was like, whoa, this is uh, this is positive. You know, mm-hmm. malware's decreasing. People are clicking in less rubbish. Um, you know, things are improving. Um, there's been less data breaches. Um, you know, it was one of those moments in time where I started getting my hand and I started trying to you know, <laughs> pat myself on the back. And I think all security professionals around the world, this is a report to show that their hard work is actually paying off. You know, cybersecurity awareness training, you know, getting security culture into the employees and all the messaging, all the hard things, you know, and sleepless nights and research around the clock. 
And a lot of, you know, also in it as well was an indicator that a lot of security researchers, you know, we always talk about, you know, hackers being used in the bad terms. Mm-hmm. And I, I always disagree with that because I see myself as a hacker and I, you know, I'm right. ethical. Um, and, you know, sometimes you know, the news and media make us out to be the bad, you know, the villains. Mm-hmm. And also even security researchers, you know, that do responsible disclosure sometimes could also turn out to be villains because, you know, they're sharing with the world these vulnerabilities and organizations sometimes basically will, you know, victimize them or even try to sue them, you know, for, for the work and for, for right. making people aware that they have insecure products. So I think for me, this report was a highlight that actually, you know, security researchers, most organizations will find out about breaches from security researchers. That which was a great indicator that, you know, there's a collaboration between companies and security researchers happening and that security researchers are your friends and, and you know, really working with you to make the world a safer place. So, and those are security researchers, you know, they are hackers. They are basically yeah. fundamental. That's what their primary focus is on. So the report was great. Um, it might, you know, as it says, it might not be a champagne moment. <laughs> it's not. It's not time to break out the bubbly and say right. we've won and great. And you know, I don't think there's ever um, winning. <laughs> it's just no, doing better. There's never winning. It's 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 just about yeah. It's about surviving in many cases. Right, right. You know, do you do pull out the champagne just to show that you know we survived? Uh, but I think you know it, it's definitely a moment. You know, security researchers and hackers around the world who who do you know spend the time in, in working for good. Uh, you know. Um, focus and, and, and helping organizations this is a moment to to you know visit you know celebrate this yeah, is a no, moment I, to, I agree i mean the um we really do use we have a, a responsible disclosure program that mm-hmm. we you know um there's a link to it right from our site we we sort of rely on it we have you know our community is uh filled with security researchers we want to take mm-hmm. advantage of that and in fact when filling out you know those annoying security questionnaires for various <laughs> companies i they ask like, what do you do from a security perspective? It's one of the first things I list is we have this program. It's actually turned up more things than, you know, some of the audits we've done, um, you know, and, and, um, I really appreciate it. I don't, you know, I, it never occurred to me like this is somehow like a, a, how could this be a negative thing to get this information about my platform Mm -hmm. and and what we're doing and the vulnerabilities in it, um, from someone who clearly cares, um, and is going, you know, sort of a partner, um, and it's crowdsourced. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's going to yeah. be you, it, it similar to spreading out the, the the number of attacks and how all the different people who could be attacking mm-hmm. your system. Now you're you're using that crowd to test your system and, and give you that feedback. I I super appreciate that program that we have. Uh, I can completely. I mean, this is a community. I mean, this is a community effort. This is mm-hmm. working together. You know, and and bringing experts and various different views and and, and specializations to really help. And, right. and that was one of the important things here. You know, one of the things the report did say is that you're, if you do, you know, become a victim, that you're more likely to hear from third parties, your customers, partners, and security researchers. Yeah. Were, were actually the, the top third party, uh, you know, basically individuals or people or teams or companies that will inform you of those. So the report itself, you know, not a champagne moment, not time to break up the bubbly, but definitely time to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely time to bring out the barbecue, um, you know, maybe have a couple of good, you know, beers and, and uh, whatever, whatever your preference of drinking may be. <laughs> right. Um, for some people it might be water, you know, in Estonia here, definitely vodka is, is the, is the common tabletop drink, but, um, but it definitely, you know, it's a time to, to reflect and, 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 you know, looking at security professionals, you know, like yourself and me and, and others that we work with and their peers to really say, you know, thank you for the work that they've done. 
mm-hmm. to really reduce the threats and, and, and make the world safer. Because this is a report to indicate that the world is a little bit safer this year, maybe from computer viruses and ransomware, but not other types of viruses um, right. that we can't deal with. But definitely an indication that, you know, the resident improvements has been made. There's yeah, I agree. Forward. And I think I think there's um, a couple underlying causes that might be moving us forward in that way. I think those responsible disclosure programs, there's a few of them out there. They're more collaborative. I think that they've and they're sort of picking up in, in speed, which means, um, you know, for us, one of the vulnerabilities that was pointed out to us was actually in a third party um, mm-hmm. a, a SaaS that we use. And so sure enough, like I took this person's report and passed it on to them so that they could sort of fix it. You know, we we patched it and we came up with a solution, but it was really their problem. And so um, I think that that sort of sharing of information and making that so easy mm-hmm. to do, it turned out that the the um, this provider was also on the exact same platform we were on uh, for um, for the disclosure program. So it made it really easy to sort of submit the submit it to them as well. Um, and so I think that that collaboration is really helping. Mm-hmm. And I look at, you know, security awareness is is good, but like yeah. um I think really pushing it out more beyond just the typical awareness stuff of what like what links to click on and and it's really about enabling your entire like staff to really think about security and the implications. And I think we're doing uh, a much better job of sort of security enablement. Um, it's you know that's one of the cyber idea you know ideas that we yeah. push a lot on is you know everybody in an organization that can touch technology has to understand the implications of the the their their actions um, because mm-hmm. you can. You can really affect the security posture of your whole company, even if you're, you know, in sales or in marketing or whatever, because you're using this platform and you, and you have the ability to, to do a thing. So I think um, we're doing a much better job of, of getting everybody involved. And it's not these siloed mm-hmm. like this is the security team within the company. I think we're doing a much yeah. better job. Yeah, security is becoming a cross-departmental function. Yeah, right. It's no longer just, you know, you, you still have those who are responsible for technology, but it's becoming right. much more across the departments, you know. And, it's like and health and safety. You know, I mean, I think it's yeah. that same sort of shared responsibility. We don't see it any, you know, it's, you know, right, I'm, I'm yep. not going to clean up every mess I see, but I'm also, if I make a mess, it's my responsibility to clean it up so that somebody doesn't, you know, slip and fall. Um, yeah, and I'll, absolutely. Yeah. It's a risk, it's risk reduction. It's a, right. yeah, exactly. right. it's a health and safety across and, and that's how it should be viewed. It's not, you know, IT's problem all the time or it's right. not this other, you know, uh, person's you know, responsibility is that people are now starting to see that we are together. You know, I have a shared responsibility to, to do the right thing. And you're right, you know, it's about empowering employees mm-hmm. to be basically better secure word, you know, better culture. Um, and I think, you know, that's definitely one thing that, you know, is, is probably reduced on the, the click rate uh, mm-hmm. on malicious links as well. So that's a definitely positive is that people are becoming much more aware and better at actually being able to identify as well and report. Right. Um, so there's, you know, de- technology is definitely helping as well. But I think another important area is that companies are starting to take security more seriously. I also do think that regulation and compliance is helping force the boards and organizations to really take security more seriously. Mm-hmm. And seeing companies, you know, having a CISO report to the board as well, not just into the executive staff, but mm-hmm. into the board actually shows that now, now they're starting to get a voice. They're starting right. to get much more, you know, I think they're getting ears and, and people listening. Some you know, are, may not be getting as much action or support out of it, but they're definitely getting a voice in the table. And I think one of the things that's driving that, though, I mean, in addition to taking it more seriously, like, why do you take it more seriously? I think part of it is the financial implications of a breach and and the the cost in cleaning up, the cost of reputation, the cost, all these various Mm -hmm. costs 
are just building up. And so in the past, it might not have been as, as big of a deal, but now they're, you know, um, you know, you, you're seeing larger fines, you're seeing all sorts of financial implications. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's what's lacking in the IOT world to drive those companies to make more secure IOT devices. And we can save that <laughs> for a different day. Um, but like, um, but that's what's that same stuff is what is driving. I think the CISO reporting into the board and it being seen, you know, as a much more important function of the company because it does directly, mm-hmm. you can draw a line to the bottom line. Um, it directly impacts the company. I, I agree. One of the things, you know, I mentioned it before with you that, you know, when I reported to this, uh, me and the CISO reported to the board to try to get budget and the board came back and says, oh, you know, you're talking, you know, you're, you're talking basically cost, 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 fear, fear, fear. Right. And the interesting thing was, you know, going back to that point is that, it's the cost of doing nothing versus the cost of doing something. And if that cost of doing nothing is a big cost, right. <laughs> the board will listen about how, how are we going to reduce this? How are we going to offset that? And what I really think as well is that, you know, companies are now investing more. They're investing mm-hmm. more in a balanced approach, not just tech- saying, you know, I remember uh, somebody who was, was at one of the peers at a conference years ago, um, turned around and said, when they, they took a, a position into being like the cyber awareness, you know, strategy person in the company about mm-hmm. ruling out security. And the, and the executive team said to her, you go and solve all this cybersecurity stuff. <laughs> like, you know, it's like going to boil the ocean. It's like, exactly. you know, you solve, solve it all. <laughs> you know, you've got all, you know, you've got our support, but you know, you've got zero budget. So go. Right, solve exactly. Right. This. You've got, right. You've, <laughs> go solve this, but we can't give you any money and we can't give you any people. Good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think that that is changing over time. And I think you mm-hmm. know, more people are saying that you do have to invest in it. And it's a balanced approach. It's not just a, a technology, you know, it's about balance between, uh, you know, skilled uh, people uh, in the organization, new technology, and having those work together definitely helps reduce and helps, you know, ultimately what we're seeing here from the Ryzen Data Breach Investigations Report 2020 is the, the results of those efforts. Yeah. And we can't be complacent as well. We can't just turn around and say, right, enough is enough. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep, you know, making sure that CISOs are getting the resources and budget that they need, that security professionals are getting the support in mm-hmm. order to help actually, you know, invest in the right areas to roll out the right technologies. Um, one of the things that was interesting in the report as well was that we're starting to see a lot more, you know, where the, the balance, I think it was around 23% of the cloud was targeted and around 70% of on-premise uh, uh, areas as well. Mm-hmm. So there is physically, but out of the cloud, um, that 23% or so of cloud uh, instance, that actually around 70% of those was actually from brute force stolen credentials attempted. So that shows, you know, that the difference is that where it's on-premise where they're trying, you know, criminals are trying to take a much more maybe vulnerabilities or, you know, unpatched systems or exploits right. or, you know, phishing scams. Right. Um, so those techniques that are being used directly at, uh, at the on-premise uh, perimeter, which is kind of still traditional, uh, to the, the cloud side seems to be much more of an access control issue. Um, and this means that, yes, you know, if you're an organization and you're looking at cloud, then you, you, you want to make sure a password and username is the only thing that's protecting it. Right. Um, and this got to a point where I, I started thinking as I'm reading through the report, is we really need to consider about should we allow humans to create passwords? <laughs> you know, if that, you know, should we start thinking that humans, you know, we're, we're not very good at being creating unique long passwords. Right. Um, and this means that we really need, you know, from a cloud perspective, 
that we really need to consider, you know, around better access controls, uh, better authorization controls and authentication mechanisms, um, rather than just having a password being the control there. So, yeah. And uh, I think the other thing some that, of those- that, that, that when it comes to cloud that, um, I think I see or pay the most attention to is those unsecured environments where the developers are like, hey, we just need an environment to do a thing. It's a test environment. So maybe the, you know, it's not as, um, rigorous in terms of who should have access and who shouldn't. Next mm-hmm. thing you know, you've sort of overprivileged a dev. Um, they don't understand the implication of what they did. And next thing you know, you have, you know, your, your, um, some, some cluster that's um, maybe it's an Elasticsearch cluster that's now open to the public and it has a bunch of you know data. Maybe it has sample data. Maybe it's not your mm-hmm. full database, but it still has some copy of production or whatever. Those are the things that always worry me. And I think you know how do you come up with the right controls when you're talking about cloud to that you allow that group that that development group to do the innovation they need to do. Given you know given mm-hmm. you don't want to get in their way. You want to be able to say yes. You don't want to be the guy who always says no. But at the same time, how do you do it in a way that mm-hmm. protects you know your users, your company, your reputation, um, and, and making that as, as seamless as possible as well. Yeah, and to your point, one of the things that was interesting in the report itself was that as a lot of things were declining, mm-hmm. such as you know uh, malware and you know phishing attempts uh, and other types of, of uh, techniques, the one thing that was on the increase was misconfigurations and errors. Exactly. <laughs> and as to your point, is that one of the biggest problems is is is, is self inflicted incidents, self inflicted data breaches where people are putting uh, you know databases open to the public um, mm-hmm. by misconfiguring them. And I think this is the point where you know many organizations expect us to run fast, but sometimes you do have to take those moments off. You know, you're running, you're doing it fast, but you want to take a moment to sit back and think. You know, but is am I doing it secure by design? Am I right. doing it by privacy? Am I putting the right security controls in place? So we do have to make sure. You know, as we're running fast, it's more like a relay, uh, or you take phases that we have to to stop, reflect, make sure we've done the right thing, and make sure we haven't configured something incorrectly. Uh, right. So yeah, errors has was the biggest thing was on the increase. So those are areas, and, and it might to, to your point that organizations might be trial and erroring. This is their, they're doing their digital transformation. They might mm-hmm. not be bringing the right people in. They might be you know learning as they're doing, um, and they might be doing bad practices, which ends up not putting security in place. So um, so that's an interesting you know kind of thing that we need to think about. And I think also when you're doing those cloud transformations, and I just had this discussion with a, a couple of people mm-hmm. the other day, which is um, we're taking these systems that were designed for that on-prem. You have the servers, you have this, you have that. Mm-hmm. Cloud is a completely different thing. It's a, it's a, it's just so different that. It's, you know, my recommendation in general is to go and find someone who's gone through it to help guide you through that that process of how do you take this system mm-hmm. and, and transform it or how do you start, you know, maybe it's not even transforming what you already have. Maybe it's like we're going to start down the road with new projects. We're not going to try and like take legacy systems and put it on the cloud, but we're going to start this new thing. But again, you still need that educational piece of like this is a different world and these are the implications. Um, you know, I think about like with the cloud, like how easy is it to spin up what used to be a data center that would cost me millions mm-hmm. of dollars and take, you know, months to build. I can now spin it up with like, I can write a config file and spin it up in minutes. Um, yeah. And so I think there's, um, there's a lot that goes into the sort of cloud architecture and security and, you know, getting, saying, I don't know, and reaching out for help and looking for companies to partner with or consultants is, I think, the best approach to not make those mistakes and not go through the trial and error. 
Yeah, and your point, I've got, I've got a great metaphor for the comparison. Um, <laughs> okay, please. So, you know, anyway, so, so the short way, so I had this, my, a long discussion about this. We went into depth with a, with a journalist like, like a months ago on this. And it was like, you know, the, the difference between on-premise and, and, and cloud uh, and even getting into SaaS and other types of you mm-hmm. know, uh, differences. And, and the things that you need to think differently is the security approaches are very different. So you think about on-premise, it's just like your car garage. You, mm-hmm. you park your car, your car is that system. You might have a bicycle, you might have a motorbike, you might have some, you've got different things in your garage. And those basically, when they're in there and that garage door is protecting the access, that's the one door and it's only door. You might have another side entrance door, right. um, but that's the one door is protecting it. And as long as that door is closed, then you don't need to worry about, you know, locking your car door or your windows or, you know, where you leave the keys. Um, You don't need to worry about, you know, putting a chain around your bicycle and stuff. So in those cases that you're really reliant on that perimeter security, you know, Mm -hmm. there might be a key, you might have, you know, a wireless sensor, you might have a security guard, you know, if you're maybe Jay Leno and you've got lots of cars, (laughs) you want to protect your garage because you've got a lot of valuables in that in that garage. So when you think about it, that's what you know, on-premise traditional security is really focused around those entry points. Mm-hmm. And when you're inside, you know, people can open the doors, can get in. You know, you're you're less you know worried about the controls inside, but it's that door you're protecting. Right. And when you move to cloud, it's like taking all of your cars and your bicycles and motorbikes or whatever from your garage and your valuables, and then driving it across the street and putting it in a shared parking lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now all your, your your cars and everything else is with everyone else's cars. And now you've got to think about, well, okay, I'm now dependent on the security controls that that parking garage is actually sharing and, and providing. And now you start needing to think, well, I need to lock the car doors. I need right. to make sure the windows are closed, the boot and the trunk of the car is closed. I might need to think about additional security controls and access. So you now have to think about each of those devices and components and infrastructure pieces themselves. And that's where you start getting into that shared garage. And then you start thinking about, well, you know, maybe I don't own the car. Maybe I'm using a service like an Uber. <laughs> mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now it's more about you then thinking about the data and right. how that data gets in and, and, and moves around. So this is kind of where I have those metaphors are really kind of transition into really, you need to think about as you move to cloud and you move to SaaS, you need to think about security from a very, a very different perspective. You need to think about it from the actual, uh, the device or the, 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 the system or the operating environment or the infrastructure that you're providing, the access controls becomes so, you know, kind of critical mm-hmm. and encryption as well. So those things all, you know, it's no longer about that traditional firewall perimeter and the security guard. It's all about basically making sure it's about access, authentication, security controls, about, you know, identities and the encryption of the data itself and how it flows. And that changes the way you need to look at it from, from that perspective. Yeah, I love, I love that car analogy and the garage analogy because like the first thing that popped to my mind was, as you're talking about it, was, if my car is in my garage and I need to work on it, I can take things out. I can leave them over here. Like I can, as long as that garage door is closed. I mean, as long as the engine's not running, um, you know, I can I can do what I need to do and I can take things out and I don't have to worry. But if I was going into a shared space, now I have to be way more conscious of what am I taking right. out of my car? What am you know as I work on it? Um, and you know, it's from that developer perspective, and so making sure that yeah, no, there's some way for us to do that work in the shared garage without worrying about who you know maybe it's more like um rather than a shared garage you're going to, you're bringing your car to the racetrack so you don't want you know yeah. competitors to know what tweaks you're making to your engine how do you do this in a secure way so that others can't see what you're doing versus when you're working on it in your you know the private garage 
Yeah, and it's a, it's to that point where it gets, the configuration becomes important. I remember, yep. um, I think I mentioned before, I was uh, a large bank in Scotland, or you know, with where they they said to me the worst worry that they have is that when the security changing security is not a problem. It's when the moment that you've taken the security off and there's no security in place mm-hmm. to putting the next security element in place is that that gap is the basically the risk. Mm-hmm. It's not whether you've got security product A or B. It's the gap that there's nothing on the door. Um, and that was the biggest area. And in cloud, that becomes such more demanding. Because mm-hmm. you can't, you know, in the garage, as long as you mentioned, you know, you can take the car door off and, and not still, you've got some security controlling. But in the cloud, right. if you could take that car door off, you know, as you say, other people can see in, in, inside. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, right. Which you might not want them to see, especially if it's public access. Another big thing in the report as well, which I want to highlight is mm-hmm. that, it was an indication as well that um, dwell time is significantly decreasing, hugely incre- uh, decreasing the dwell time, which is the time in order to detect breaches. To in many cases, it, you know, for most organizations, is getting into towards days, where it used to be months, right. used to be like you know almost a year before you determine a breach. And one of the things that indicated that what was helping that was more managed security service providers, mm. more companies who are providing more specialized skills and becoming more of a uh, a specialized kind of, you know, extension to companies. And they are running tools that they specialize in and now able to detect the breaches and instance much earlier. So well, right. and they also you know, have the, the scale factor that works in their favor, right? Because they, they, they can, you know, if you're a small company, you can't afford that team. You can't afford all the tools and all the technology that they're using. And right, it's the, mm-hmm. the typical like, hey, you know, let's hire a specialist who now they can spread, you know, they can, they can do it all right and they can afford it because they're doing this for, you know, they sort of get that economy of scale. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And for me, that was a, that was a major thing that it really shows that organizations, you, you can't do everything yourselves. You have to right. work with, you know, best practices out there, get the right skills. You know, um, you don't have to have them internally, you know, permanently on your staff, depending on the size of the organization, the business if you do, of course. Right. But, you know, if you're a small business or medium business that, you know, you, you can't afford that or it's not your, your focus, Absolutely, you know, working with a managed service provider on those areas will definitely help, um, especially you know reduce that dwell time, which is significant because it's the dwell time which can be, the you know days can be millions for companies in regards to the impact um, right. costs from from data breaches. So, so for me that was a significant one that was very very interesting. Um, another piece of note as well, which wasn't uh, in the report uh, because of course this report's always a lagging indicator. So mm-hmm. it's something that you're always kind of, you know, it's, you're seeing the results, but there's always a period of time where it doesn't include uh, certain impacts. And the one thing for me, I think is ransomware is evolving again. And this is for me is probably the biggest thing that organizations should be worried about or fearful of is ransomware. And the techniques now that ransomware is not just about, uh, you know, poisoning or, or making data unavailable. What it's also doing is doxing as well. Mm. It's, it's stealing the data and threatening to disclose it. And we've seen, you know, the recent incident with the law firm, um, right. which is, you know, is now starting to to also from you know governments and presidents and, and other things that are now being you know disclosed from data that we have to really look at. You know, ransomware is starting to evolve, and mm-hmm. it might be that you know it's it's also not just making the data available. And if you don't pay the ransom, and you do have a good backup. That's not what you need to worry about now. You need right. to worry about is that data got something sensitive in, in the you know in the content, and therefore you know that you know whoever the criminal is is now you know threatening to disclose it, make it publicly available unless you pay the ransom. Right. So that, I think that's something that the report doesn't. It does indicate that it doesn't include that, and that there's new evolutions in in mm-hmm. and changes in ransomware, and so it does highlight that. But 
Um, for me, absolutely. That was one thing they did note is that, you know, yeah, the, the threat of extortion, it's, you know, it's, it's not ransom, right. It's extortion where now it's like, right. Cause they're correct. Yeah. That's a, that's an interesting yeah. trend. I, I don't know that I was aware that it was really picking up that much. Um, so I appreciate you. Yeah. There's been cases, you know, I think we looked through, there's been a number of cases already this year, you know, high profile cases mm-hmm. that have, you know, been victims of this from, um, you know, currency exchanges to, uh, power stations, um, and now, of course, law firms, right. uh, and they all have you know serious implications. Um, you know, you know what else comes out of that? You know, we remember the Panama Papers years right. ago. What what that disclosed? Right. Um, so so law firms definitely are a major target, and also from a security perspective, um, and their setup is very decentralized because you've got lots of lawyers working many different things. So they become definitely a prime target from uh, uh, criminals, and, and definitely something that. They should be looking because they they deal you know deal with a lot of uh, you know significant types of sensitive data. Yeah, and I think also you think um, when I think about law firms, at least in the U.S., there's um, the really large ones that come to mind and the decentralized and so on and so forth. But there's also yeah. plenty of small small law firm practices that you know ha- you know do have to rely on you know how are they going mm-hmm. to secure their stuff and um, you know IT isn't the you know isn't really a, a line item budget that they want to you know put a lot into it's not you know and so um, again um, it's that what's going to force them to put more money into mm-hmm. it is not, not just oh now we have the backup so if we get ransomware like it's not that big a deal we can restore from backup now it's like oh no we have to you know, it's again, there's this new financial yep. threat that's going to cause them to have to evolve yet again to deal with the like, no, we don't even want to have to deal with the the, the chance of this um, getting yeah. out. It's so bi-directional. Eventually, yeah. what, eventually what happens is that, you know, it's bi-directional. You know, eventually, right. you know, now, now choosing your law firm because <laughs> you want to make sure that they actually have the right security in place. Right, right. Um, you know, so you start auditing the law firm. Um, so that, of course, introduces multiple law firms, which is probably not a good thing. Or <laughs> Um, another thing, another thing in the report as well, you know, which for me is that, you know, a lot of the techniques that are used, um, mm-hmm. what seems to be, you know, definitely, you know, continuous on the, on the, on the increase in the report as well as, you know, credential stuffing, mm-hmm. um, is another major. And, and, um, I, I always hear time and time again about, you know, how sophisticated breaches are and, and, you know, how, you know, they are maybe nation state backed. Um, you know, they've been doing this for a long time. Uh, and I find that, you know, probably sophisticated is sometimes overrated and overstated, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, ends up sometimes being, um, you know, a simple, you know, one click in a, a phishing email or, or a credential stuffing or somebody's used the same password mm-hmm. and multiple systems. And definitely the report does indicate, you know, you know, credential stuffing is on the increase and that most of the types of, you know, techniques, which tends to happen in, you know, the number of steps is usually, it's around four steps, two, two to four steps is the optimum number of steps that a attacker uses to gain full access. Wow. Up, you know, between two to four steps. Right. And that for me is like, you know, and, and even when I know, you know, um, probably if the, one thing that's missing in the report side of things is there's a couple, a couple of things that's missing from my perspective is one is they don't talk enough about the success and positive side. I think that's mm-hmm. something they should so really highlight better is, you know, this report is an indicator of positive direction and trend. Um, there is successes out there and we have to highlight that better. I think, you know, because otherwise people are, you know, feeling the doom and gloom side of things. Uh, but what's missing in this report is, you know, and, it, and this is probably the most difficult thing you can't get is the passive work 
passive side of things is done in a uh, incident or, or data breach is mm. the work that the attacker did prior to gaining access or the active uh, attack. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and actually, you know, my experience when you're doing penetration testing, ethical hacking, that's a large amount of the time. It's it's 80, 90% of your time is actually doing passive recon is that you're learning about the target. You're looking at the resume sites. You're looking at, you know, uh, archived web pages. You're looking at uh, supply chain. You're looking at all the details about the organization. And that's always missing. So you don't know how much, if in this report, it's it's from the, the, the knock on the door. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the first time they knocked on the door or the first time you saw an IP address. And it's the number of steps at that point. Um, so there's, there, we do, we are missing the passive piece, mm-hmm. and that is always a large portion of the, the preparation and, and planning and attack path that goes into a lot of criminals' work. Um, but yeah, once that knock on the door comes, it's between two to four steps that they gain access to what they need. Some, mm-hmm. of course, go further and beyond that, but that's an indicator that you know, in many cases, that it's, it's you know the security controls in place, and with credential stuffing and stolen passwords still continuing to be a primary technique. We really had to look, and that's one of my points, even the cloud side, where it was a large portion of cloud breaches were, you know, contributed or attribution of those areas mm-hmm. that we really need to consider, you know, definitely better security techniques, at, you know, at the front door um, and to make those steps, you know, that if, if your data is only two steps away from <laughs> right, right. from the front door, uh, we're probably, you know, the principal least privilege is probably an area um, that needs to be probably raised and enforced um, again. And, and that's something that, you know, our listeners can listen to another podcast when we go into that in detail. Yeah, definitely. But, um, Did the report get I into think, like know, things about like, because I already admitted I didn't read the full no. report. Um uh, like what techniques are really wor- like what's working or why we think things are are going in the direction they are because I think when I think about things right I want to know I want to take advantage of other people's lessons and I want to be able to say like okay well this seems to be working so let's let's continue down this path. Yeah, there, I think uh, one of the things in in the report itself I uh, just kind of uh, yeah. um, so. The techniques um, that were actually the top techniques, um, of course, one of the things that, you know, uh, organized crime is still, you know, your, your largest attacker um, mm-hmm. behind it, you know, and by, by a large amount. So organized crime is definitely the one that we need to be aware of, worrying about. Errors and misconfigurations or, you know, the, one of the kind of one that was on the increase. Um, the delivery method continues to be the same delivery method where it's using things like, uh, um, so the three top techniques was, uh, credential theft and phishing, um, uh, was the top two techniques that was used. Um, what I meant by, um, what's working is not so much what's working for the criminals as much as what's working for the people on the other side of it. What, what techniques can we be using? Yeah. The defender what, side of it. What yeah, do the they get into side. the details there? Cause yeah, I know I, from the report, I do know that yes, they went into the various details of what successful yeah. that way. So the best things is that um, is making sure that a password is not the only security control. I mean, this mm-hmm. is a fundamental and, 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 you know, getting it to make sure that we use passphrases longer, um, you know, better protected and using multi-factor authentication and additional to passwords, um, especially for things like web applications um, using cloud, you know, access controls is that it should be if you move to just basically being more than just the password and having things like multi-factor authentication, um, doing, especially for privilege access, you know, for things like remote desktop or access mm-hmm. to databases where you've access to more sensitive uh, infrastructure, then you have, of course, privilege access becomes fundamental in that as well. So the segregation of, of the access controls, mm-hmm. um, those are, you know, bringing in MSSP providers 
in order to help you basically provide much more level of expertise, especially detection, um, intrusion prevention, all of those areas, and, and maybe even you know shared management of some some aspects. Um, and good cybersecurity awareness training, having your employees more up to date, mm-hmm. and then having more controls and checks on when you're doing basically sensitive configuration changes of infrastructure, database, and application rollouts. So if you really get into having a very consistent process at your deployment, installation, configuration, mm-hmm. that you use more than just a password to protect those infrastructure with right. things like multi-factor and privilege access, and your employees are more aware, more responsibility, those are the things that work. Those, yep. That's what reduces the risk. Um, it's not going to re- completely you know, fix everything, right. but you will actually see a significant improvement. And the other side of things as well, what's important is that that's the preventive side. Mm-hmm. You still need to invest in, in, in response. You know, um, yep. I get into the firefighter side is that you need to make sure that when it does happen, that you're able to get, again, that dwell time is significant. The reducing of that dwell time, the more you can respond quickly, the more you can get back up and more you can eradicate the attackers. Mm-hmm. the less cost it is for the organization. So those are the things, you know, you know, uh, phishing and pretexting is on the increase um, through social sites, uh, web applications that are target. Don't let it be just a username and password protecting mm-hmm. it. Um, cloud is definitely from credential stuffing, so we need to make sure. Um, the top industries that are still targeted is professional industries are, are still largely up there. Um, public entities, um, information technology companies and finance, Mm-hmm. And you know, manufacturing, education, healthcare—those are all the top primary targets, and they're both consistent in both the incidents and breaches side because they do separate them into incident breaches. Another thing that it, ransomware was moved from incidents to becoming breaches in the future because of that technique change of stealing oh, data that changes it from just being an incident to being also a data breach. Right. And then the, another major area was the motivation for me is this is always a primary thing is that um, the motivation continues to be financial. You know, the mm-hmm. large portion of all of these incidents is is money, is, is money what, what ultimately determines whether it being ransomware, whether it being you know, stolen IP, intellectual property, um, you know, extortion or, you know, you know, copying other people's technologies or finding ways of espionage. Purely a lot of it ends up being um, motivation money. Yeah. And also the report get into, finally, I'll get into the last piece, is it, uh, it does say that, you know, size of the organization doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> um, you know, all organizations are target no matter what size they are. And, you know, being a large organization or small organization doesn't mean that, you know, attackers won't target you. Right. And the report did get into recommendations into being the CIS, uh, Center of uh, Internet Security. The top 20 controls is basically your best friend at mitigating the risks. So right. getting into the CIS top 20 controls, if you're able to, you know, have those as part of your IT security strategy, it will actually help you address those risks. Um, so those are the things that fundamentally, you know, summarizing the report up um, is that there's things that we can do. Mm-hmm. There's things, you know, that um, are becoming much more of a, you know, a popular technique uh, from attackers. And, but we are heading the right direction. We just need yeah. to continue and, and, and going to, you know, getting the, the board support, getting the investment along mm-hmm. CISOs to do what they need to be doing. Um, you know, having great scissors like yourself, being able to get the support, being able to make action, being able to, you know, get the budget um, is all things that will actually help our organizations at least reduce the risk enough um, in order to, to you know, uh, make security work for us. 
Yep. And I appreciate like on our board, security is an important piece of that as well. We have, you know, our board members care a lot about security as well. So it sort of, it starts there and is able to, it makes it a lot easier. There's not, it's not a confrontational conversation. It's a, oh yeah, def, you know, that makes a lot of sense. That seems like the right thing to do type of conversation. Um, which Absolutely. is definitely and security, helpful. It's, it, it's not a, it's not a bottom up approach. And it's not a top down approach. Right. It's everyone's responsibility. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's how it works. It's, it's, so there's no try, there's no triangle here in security. Right, right. It might be, you know, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm probably conflicting a lot of people's terms on the CIA triad and all these other types. Everyone <laughs> likes a triangle. Um, but cybersecurity is more like a square. Right. <laughs> it's everyone's responsibility. We're all accountable. It's a bottom up approach. It's a top down approach. We all are going to, you know, if, if we work together, um, and not just from basically single organizations, but as a community, and we you know make sure there's less places for cyber criminals to hide, mm-hmm. um, and that means that it's not just about organizations and security researchers and hackers all working together, but it's also about governments as well. You know, mm-hmm. that's important is that we have to. This is a global initiative, a global perspective, um, and this report definitely is. You know, it's, it's definitely global, a global view. Yeah, so my last thing before we finish up today mm-hmm. is you know for the Verizon team. Awesome report as usual. Um, keep up the great work. Um, you know, do read my blog if you see it out there. It will be a you know a summarizing of the discussions we've just had. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, this is a time for you know break out the barbecues, have a good beers, time to celebrate, um, and uh, let's continue the path we're on. Let's let's make sure we're reducing the risk. So yeah, definitely awesome. Keep up awesome. The work Always a pleasure to talk to you, Joe. Uh, I look yeah, forward to likewise. these every time. All right, take it okay. easy. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrae for Business by going to www.cybrae.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Thycotic, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit www.thycotic.com.